everyone. It's the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour, Series 4. I'm your host, Jason Rutledge. If you're one of our many listeners tuning in from all over the globe, welcome back. If you're new here, well, welcome to the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour, your deep dive into movies, some known, some not so well known, what they mean to us now, what they meant to us then, the culture they reflect, and really the overall culture of movies in general. Over the next seven episodes, we're going to be looking at a group of movies that span close to, let's say, 60 years of our collective movie history. And we're kicking off this series with the 1958 classic, The Blob. Nathan, Katie, and Joe are all back again to discuss all things gooey and blobby. So, time to start the show. Hey, Ray, where are you going? Oh, crap, it's little Danny. What do you want, little Danny? I won't tell anybody. I'll go with you. No, that that's fine. Please go Aren't away. You- no, it's fine. I'm not afraid. I'll guard you. Go away, little Danny. I'm not way with French gore. Like, not not like current, but like Jean yeah. Rolin. It's, it's like sloppy gore, where it's like, you know, you're, they're just taking meat from the local supermarket and just... <sighs> It's oh, not like, like it, effects. What is the movie where the fucking, woman had like sheep entrails in her mouth? Oh, are you, the Fulci? Are you talking about Gates yeah, of Hell? Yeah, it was a yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah probably. Certain movies that sounds like right. That. When you could still get yeah. away with that kind of crap, I don't think they. I don't think you can do that much anymore. Legally, um, I don't think you can. <laughs> like no, even if you no. get it from the butcher shop. I don't think that there is a huge market for that anymore because. Well, and there's also people who I think it's more frowned upon. So people, I'm not saying people won't do it, but I think people are less apt to do it. The only thing, I have a friend who works in special effects, and his big thing is there are people who go to these training colleges for veterinarians, and then they'll buy their animals that way. But a lot of people who work in special effects won't work with people who do that because it's, it's, they don't agree with it. Well, that's somebody's pet. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, well, they were possibly too. some like, other you... people's pets back then too, when stuff was going on. No. Like I get it when there's like something like Day of the Dead, where there's entrails. I get mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Especially but if like... you're eating a cow. Yeah, but yeah. not everybody eats cows. No, I'm saying that if the zombies are eating cows, it makes sense. Like you know, just use a fucking dead. You know, go find a dead cow on the highway. Well, then that's it again. Our world as we know it exists under constant supernatural threat. At the time of this recording, that threat is usually zombies. Sometimes it's vampires. Sometimes it's a plague that for whatever reason only Vincent Price is immune to. And sometimes it's the Earth itself that is coming to get us. Sometimes the Earth, like a Lovecraftian old god reasserting its authority over us, lets loose something from deep within. Example. In the 1901 novel by M.P. Scheel called The Purple Cloud, the narrator, last man left on Earth, has traveled to the North Pole and discovered the origin point of the cloud, the purple terror with no shape that wiped out humanity. Quoting, The lake, I think, would be something like a mile wide, and in its middle is a pillar of ice, low and thick. I had the impression, or dream, or fantasy, that there is a name inscribed round in the ice of the pillar in characters that could never be read. And under the name a lengthy date, 
and the liquid of the lake seemed to be wheeling with a shivering ecstasy, splashing and fluttering around the pillar from west to east with the planet's spin. And it was borne upon me, can't say how, that this fluid was the substance of a living being. Not long after that, the Fritz Lieber short story The Black Gondolier presented a possibly sentient mass of oil that lured people to their death. After that, we had the movie classic X the Unknown that showed us a radioactive mass of oozing mud that bubbled up from deep within the earth to threaten all of Scotland. But there is one case, pretty famous one, where the gooey, oozy, creeping, leaping threat didn't come from the earth at all, but from out there somewhere, from a place in space where the, all the small towns and reckless teenagers had already been eaten, leaving it hungry for more. And unlike most of the old gods, it came with a name everyone could easily pronounce. The Blob. Welcome everyone back to the Smooth Hills Radio Hour. How are we doing? The Blob, 1958, and then remade again in 1988 or 87, was it? 88. I don't remember. The 1958 The Blob was not the first movie of its kind. It wasn't the last one either, but it's pretty rare to see this kind of movie. There aren't many of them out there, depending no. on how you look at it. Um, I mean, The Blob is somewhat unique. There are movies like it, I would think of both X the Unknown, which you mentioned, um, Kaltiki, the Immortal Monster, which came about a year later, I think. Mario Bava directed that one, or direct, partially directed it. Features a giant pile of tripe, I think it was, or some sort of... I don't know what... It, I've heard it was tripe, and it might have been food. something... Yeah. yeah, something like that. Uh, if you want to take this terror with no shape and sort of dissolve its boundaries away, you could throw in the fog or the mist, perhaps. Not the mist. No, the mist were actual things. There was a mist in the movie, though, right? There was a mist in my eye that yeah, I paid to see it. The blob didn't have creatures inside uh, of it. I'd seen the blob loads and loads and loads of times. Katie, I think you said this is the first time you've seen the blob. This one. Joe, I think you hadn't seen the blob or the original blob anyway, either. Right. Yeah. What did you think? Product of its time, definitely. Uh huh. Oh yeah. One hundred percent. When did they stop doing the all the credits at the beginning of the movie? I think it was a slow process. I don't remember exactly. There was an, I don't think it's there was any particular divide line. Where they, you mean they, like they an opening scene? No, like this one where we had uh, the globs singing their catchy ditty. Uh, five and I, I read that it was only one glob recorded five times. Could have been. But just that's completely out of place uh, pop song <laughs> at the beginning of this movie. I felt like it fit. With a really cool animation effect. I like that. Yeah. The, the, the theme for the blob... While it's not the greatest, the green slime to me, my personal favorite. Oh, but there you go. That Richard was, Jekyll. Yeah, the, the, the single for the Blob theme song was released in Los Angeles, I think. It was a top 40 hit for a little while. It pretty much was like it put Backrack on the map, like incidentally yeah. almost. And Such a bad song. Erwin Yeworth, the director, had already, he said in the commentary track that Ralph Carmichael, who's a the composer, already had a beautiful piece of music for the opening credits. And I think it was whenever they Jack H. Harris sold it to Paramount that they insisted upon getting some kind of teen boppy kind of I like it. Theme. It yeah, it's great, but it doesn't it, it doesn't really fit. It doesn't I think it does and it doesn't. 
Like, I think had it gone the other way, we would have been like, oh, this works. But I feel like this works as well. It doesn't necessarily... It doesn't necessarily present you with a whole lot of useful information about how to deal with the blob-based crisis. We get some information about his basic behaviors. The leaping part, I'm kind of iffy on. We basically get the Adams Family theme. I mean, yeah, more or less. That's a fair comparison. Yeah, but it doesn't really set the tone for the rest of the movie necessarily. Especially whenever, as soon as the first scene opens, and you get that that beautiful, uh, very appropriate orchestral score, right. Hmm. Uh, it, it just, it's very, it's very jarring. It's like watching one thing and then going, I'm going to change the channel and go into another thing. It's just, they don't go together. Mm. I wonder if I think it suits it now, looking back on cinema in that time, because I feel like it fits very much into the, them going to the midnight horror movie. Th- like it fits a vibe that I think in hindsight, we see, but maybe back then when it originally came out, we didn't have that. Like it fits I, an overall like, like image of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of these kind right, of right, right, right. Mm. And like even like just the midnight movie sequence, that wasn't really too much of a thing cinematically at that point. It was like right, mm. but I the mean, way we view that now, it's like oh, that was what they did. You know, it's more, it's 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 almost like a trope now, where back then it was. Like you said, maybe not even necessarily super known even then. Well, just to give you a bit of context, um, 1958 was a pretty good year for the genre. Also in theaters, or with around the same time as The Blob, you had Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, The Crawling Eye, uh, Christopher Lee's Dracula. I think it might have been for the, if not the first time, the second. No, it was the first. Uh, the Fly, The Fly and Return of the Fly, both in the same year. Uh, Revenge of Frankenstein, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, War of the Colossal Beast, and How to Make a Monster. Pretty decent year. How to Make a Monster was later, though. A little bit. Because 58 was I I was a teenage Frankenstein. And Ah. 57 was I was a teenage werewolf. And then they got to How to Make a Monster. But anyway. But you forgot to mention the one movie that it, it was double billed with, which was I Married a Monster from Outer Space. Very specific title. I Married a Monster, oh, by the way, from outer space. So, suck it. Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, it was Paramount. So they're like, well, you can't marry a universal monster. So. Mm, No. Our monster's different than your monsters. There you go. Like, I married a monster who I have science class with, or I married a monster from down over there. I want to see that one. (laughs) I married a monster that I have science class with. I married a monster and I got this black eye from playing basketball. (laughs) <laughs> I married a monster, and all I got was this shitty T-shirt. There I married go. a monster. Or if we could hear from like Charlize Theron's husband, you know, I married a monster from Monster. Oh my god! <laughs> there you go. I was like, "Where is this going?" And what if you mar- What if they married a guy who was in the movie Manster, and then you could call it "I married Monster Ooh. from Manster." Manster Mash. <laughs> hey, Mark, Mark this hey, Manster hey, Mash. Hey. I want to see Manster Mash. <laughs> mark, mark this as a cut, Jason. You know, you every time you say that, it, it's in the episode of you saying, "Please cut this." Yep. <laughs> every time he even leaves it in. Is that what he does cut out? When he says, "Please, please don't touch this." No. Is that what the M and MC Hammer stands for? Is monster? Maybe. I, and what's the What's the C stand for? Cookie. Uh, <laughs> monster cookie hammer. <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> 
Like the the ones with the M and M's in them. Those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Anyway, like he was saying, cut this. <laughs> yeah. It took a turn. Irvin S. Yeaworth did not direct, as far as I can tell, did not direct a lot of movies. 4D Man, Dinosaurus, and I think there's one called The Flaming Teenage. That's yeah. it. He lived longer That's than the two leads. He did, he did that before. Not um, Teenager. And then 4D Man was right after this. Hmm. And I think they were going to try to get Steve McQueen for Dinosaurus as the lead, but of course he was like, I'd rather do Magnificent Seven. Good call. I don't know why. What a dummy. <laughs> Early responsible call. Kind of silly. Classic Steve McQueen boner. <laughs> I know, right? Dinosaurus. <laughs> what What could dinosaurs have been had Steve McQueen signed on? We'll never know. Wasn't somebody else in this movie also in Dinosaurus? Or, no, it was the, one of the writers, I think, also worked on Dinosaurus. I don't think anybody from this movie was in Dinosaurus. No, it was the same team that did it. So, like, Jack Hitch Harris produced that as well. Mm -hmm. Obviously trying to repeat their success. They also did 4D Man. It was like the same group each time would do them. But, yeah, uh, they had Theodore Simonson, who was also a writer on 4D Man. His writing partner on this, uh, Kay Lineker, also known as Kay Phillips, was more known as an actress. Uh, she was in such classics as uh, Charlie Chan at Monte Carlo, Charlie Chan in Reno, Charlie Chan in Rio, uh, Charlie Chan at Treasure Island, Charlie Chan's Murder Cruise. Men on Her Mind, Men of Texas, Glamour Boy, and Cadet Girl. In fact, <clears throat> surprisingly yes. enough, between 1938 and 1945, this woman was in 57 movies, which is staggering mm. to do in seven years. The original Nicolas Cage? Get out of my head. I was about to say that exactly. Because <laughs> he's like in four movies that came out this year. He does like five movies a year. Very much alive. Yeah. It's amazing. I love But that, it's man. different. Back then, she was like a contract player. Mm -hmm. this is like back taxes for Nicolas Cage. That's mm -hmm. what that is. <laughs> yeah. And will be for some time more than likely. It's been going Probably on for the only guy. Years. <laughs> What's your newest movie called? Alimony. <laughs> Remember the alimony? <laughs> Remember the... <laughs> Probably the only guy, yeah. the only guy in this movie who was in more stuff than anybody else was the old man, Olin Howard. This was his last movie, by the way, was the blob. But he'd done, I think... That's the that's the senior Howard, isn't it? Isn't that the, the, the Howard boy's father? No, the that's father Rance Howard? Howard. No. Rance, yes, yeah. Rance. I knew it was like an old-timey name. I just that didn't is, know. I that is a hell of a name. name Rance too, by is the way. a hell of a name. Is yeah, it R-A-N-C-E or R-A-N-T-Z? Yeah. Oh. Is, is it short for something? Like Rancelot? Or... Rancid. Rancelot Rance. His, name, his full name Rance is Rancid Howard. And he shortened it to Rance. Rance no. Howard genius no it's that's what he named his uh that's what uh, uh you got this I you got can do it my head hurts so jason bad. jason uh, cut right here cut okay one a movie ransom that the guy was the did and the, his name is rance and he named it after his date oh my god <laughs> wow it's like Rance Howard gets kidnapped, and Ron Howard's directing. Mm -hmm. That's kind of Ron Howard. That's his name. Oh, I didn't He's realize you were Ronnie. looking for a name. I was looking for little Ronnie. Little Ronnie. He was trying little to do Dangerfield. What's in a name? <laughs> little Opie Cunningham. What about um, McQueen being in this as his first lead role in a picture? The previous Saturday was the first episode of Wanted Dead or Alive premiered. Wow. So he within a week pretty cool yeah saturday and then friday the blob 
And he was one of the few people in the movie that could act. Hey, wait. No. Uh, no, that little kid, uh, the brother, really gets no. okay. major oh, athlete. No, yeah, okay. no, 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 no I'm just being sarcastic. Yeah, we're not going to vouch for that kid. I was we're being not talking sarcastic. about little Danny. We're not going to talk about little Danny at all. I will say this: that or Danny did Thomas. Do the, when they did the remake, that was one of the upgrades. Was the little brother character that they made for for sure? I was no just really hoping he was going to get eaten by that blob. I was like, this will turn the movie around for me if he had gotten eaten. He came running out I'm there with saying. the little cowboy hat and the pajamas, and eh, eh, pop gun. Yeah. I'm like, Dale, do it, do it, do it, do it. But no, he somehow survived. Uh -huh. So you know, whatever. I bet if the blob had like puppies or some ice cream, he could have got him. <laughs> the dog didn't die, did it? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, the dog. The dog was smarter than that kid. Well, most everything was smarter than that kid. Damn. I, that kid, I, the whole time that kid no, was on screen, I was just like, oh my God. Like, just go away. That was like, I hate you because of your what age. Is it, Nathan? That was a thing back then. It was like that they, they, they thought they would get compassion from the audience for like. Well, that's how I knew he wasn't going to die. Like, they already had well, a yeah. dog. You know. True. But they're kind of both. I'd like less. Yeah, they're both thrown in there and you think both might be perishable but they're not <laughs> so you you never know <laughs> might be perishable so who's worse huh? uh the, that kid or um i can't remember his name uh Ron franklin oh franklin from oh, what? you know what franklin's entertaining from chainsaw franklin is so entertaining the whole yeah, <laughs> yeah the kid does that for no I reason <laughs> <laughs> you're right okay yeah in the whole franklin thing. you could laugh at his dumb ass that whole thing yeah god i hate franklin before you guys got here i was talking to katie and we she mentioned that and i agree that you can't really discuss this blob without talking about the remake you can't do one without the other really unless you're talking about it back in 1958 and then before the remake if you time travel this, i suppose that's correct <laughs> Or 1983. And let's not yeah, act yeah. like there's not a sequel also, Jason. And come on. There is not a sequel. There is something. There is it's, a sequel. There's a sequel. Nathan, Nathan right it is here. unwatchable. <laughs> I watch it all the time. What are you talking about? When I say unwatchable, it's because half of it isn't even in focus. You can't tell what's happening. It's what? unwatchable. Yes. It looks okay. amazing on Blu-ray. It's go oh, oh, yay. If you can introduce the fifth person that alarm out there so that it will stop that we're not and maybe we can the alarm and i are not on speaking terms so i'm not going to do that is this an isolated incident or does this happen often this does not happen often now <laughs> okay i think it does i feel like Long it does pause. by the look on its face he's like motherfucker you called it <laughs> so there are some things that the seek that the remake did better and there's some things i think it did worse you've have all of you seen the remake the 88 remake it's been a long time but yeah, yeah i've seen okay. that one a few times so yeah. how do you how do you feel like those two things compared to each other These, they're very different movies in a, in a way and they're very similar in many ways i wish that steve mcqueen was on a motorbike well he was dead so there was that yeah. I wish the original had Johnny no, Smith. I mean, like in the that's, original. That's a good call. Like, was that an inspiration oh. on The Great Escape? Is that why they made Kevin Dillon ride a motorcycle? Like, we would have liked to have seen that in the original blog. No, Kevin mm -hmm. Dillon said that he wouldn't sign on unless he could 
be on the motorcycle and wear hair extensions. Movie. He was like, because mm-hmm. he Kevin Dillon is really being facetious. Kevin Dillon is rocking the the jacket, the Albert Finney from Wolf and Hair. It, it's all there. You and the fucking Wolf and Hair. That's gonna be That's a t-shirt time, right I haven't there. Talked you about and the fucking, fucking, fucking Wolf and Hair. That that is well, pretty great. How much you talked about that Harry in that episode? A picture of the wig and then fucking Wolf and Wig or fucking Wolf and Hair, whatever the quote is sure. there with the wig. That, that's great. That's his dream sequel to Wolfen. Fucking Wolf fucking and Hair. Wolf and just and it's a musical, it. so it's like hair. As long as there's a first-person werewolf transformation scene again, I'm good. I'm in. All just right. don't look down. <laughs> it's a musical in Wolf and Vision. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so like the original, the, the remake. Where's the train track? I'm so glad I'm not the troublemaker this time. Parts where these move, they're similar in that they all take place on a single night almost in real time i think we're pretty close to it feels like it yeah. um we have a lot of the same characters sort of uh i'm not sure i really like the super aggressive blob <laughs> that they put you were gonna say blonde night. no i could i like it aggro blob mm-hmm it's I was different. down with the aggro blob. It, you could feel like if uh, Carpenter hadn't done the thing, they would not have maybe done this with the blob. Yeah. I think I like it, but I think they accelerate it too much. Like it's already too, like deadly, like immediately, mm. like menacing. Whereas in the original, it takes its time and it builds it grows, itself up, yeah, obviously. sort of yeah. keep building and building. It acclimates to being on a new world. Mm. There you go. It's a good call. Yeah, like it, the the phone booth sequence always stands out to me in the remake. Mm-hmm. That looks great. I that love really that good. scene. It's great, but it's like very soon. It's like what twenty minutes, thirty minutes into it, if if at best. It is kind of like what, yeah. Hmm. Like that's something you'd feel like would come on to you know halfway into the picture. It's like a show. No, that, yeah, yeah, it's that like shot the, looked yeah. really good. Um, there were some comp shots that didn't work as well. A lot of it was practical. I know. I don't think. I think there's only one CGI shot in the remake, and it was of the little blob crystals at the end. Do you love practical effects? The original blob was made out of silicon. This blob for the remake was made out of some kind of cloth and. I have a question. Or I don't know what the hell they threw in that thing. Some food. Color. In the original one, was there a lot of like forced perspective shots? Because I feel like it was a tiny blob, but the way they shot um, it made it look bigger. A lot yeah. of the mm-hmm. shots of the theater were okay. models. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the old man's cabin was a miniature shot in, I think, three-quarter right. scale to make it look bigger in the background. Things like that. Okay. They, they threw those tricks at it, sure. I love the one shot that showed the building, and then they made the, uh, either it was, I don't, I don't know, it was like a miniature, but it there was just that one, like, couple of frames of uh just a jolt from the real thing to mm. the the miniature i guess the miniature uh-huh. like the uh whatever it is they had the real thing yeah. and they had the miniature whenever they interlaced mm-hmm. the shots it was it, there was barely any noticeability there and then it has the ooze come down i thought it was really cool but i will shut up no um i agree with you in this fact that a lot of this stuff looks especially for its time it's all done really well 
Especially whenever he's like on, the one that like, sticks on out his for, arm. Oh, yeah. The no, original blob mm-hmm. looks amazing. The one that sticks out for me is when yeah. it's oh, showing yeah. the um the projector room. And it's like coming out of the, the small mm-hmm. windows of that. I really yeah. like that scene. And then uh, there was, I don't know, I guess it was yeah. an animation whenever they shot the uh, transformer on the, the power line. And then it fell onto the, the, the blob that was yeah. covering the building. Mm-hmm. That that mm-hmm. looks so fucking cool to me. Yeah, that, I love that. That was an optical. Yeah, that yeah. would have been hand painted, probably. Oh, That's wow. what frame so cool. itself. Is yeah, the way that was done. Yeah, there's going to be so a awesome. lot there of map paintings couple, too. Uh, there was one yeah. in particular that I remember. Um, there there was people in the foreground, and they, it was a painting, and it was very strange. I I don't think I've ever seen that. And it was like with somebody so mm. close to the camera, to where you could tell like this is a this is a painting. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. That was kind of jarring. That's one thing I love about watching older yeah. films. They didn't flop it, around like is that. um seeing how they achieve some of that stuff because you figure you didn't have all of the options. Like I know we we all don't love CG that much, but like they didn't even have that option then. So it was like, how can we make this work? And the fact that mm-hmm. like I love miniature work or like when they're stop motion yeah. stuff and it's just. I don't know. It's awesome. Particularly something like this. Well, for the original Blob and the remake, both, they had to kind of invent mm-hmm. the process. Yeah. No one had done I it. mean, you're writing it and you're going, fuck, how do we shoot this? Well, it's the same problem Carpenter ran into with the fog. How do you get a fog to go where you want it to go? How do you, how well, do you and that's all lighting. a fog? How yeah. do you make a pile of silicon move where you want it to go? Have y'all watched the uh, the movies that made us on Netflix? Any of those episodes? Mm-mm. There's one on Jurassic Park where it's uh, uh, and it's it's really heartbreaking because it's uh, Phil Tippett. Uh, he was originally signed on to do all the miniatures for the for the dinosaurs and whatnot. And then uh, I forgot his name, but the guy that came on to mm-hmm. do the the computer effects uh, basically like did it all on his own and presented it to him. And said, "Look, I can make this look way better than the miniatures." And they're like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. And Phil Tippett was pretty much like just crushed mm-hmm. and heartbroken because that basically oh, yeah. spelled the end of his his era. There were not a huge amount of CGI shots in the original Jurassic Park. Yeah, but I think there were maybe but, uh, thirty just all total. You should watch the episode. It's it's pretty fucking heartbreaking just to see him realize that his like basically saying you're extinct now. Yeah. And yeah, that was the beginning of the end in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody puts somebody else out of business, especially with something that grows like effects mm-hmm. does. Because if you're from the old school of special effects, a lot of what was used back then isn't used now. Like right. we see it in horror because horror, I think, is one that tries to mm-hmm. stay in its roots more than like your action films and things like that. So. If there's any movie I can point out that makes a case for using all of it, it is True Lies. Ah, and the I scene love I'm that thinking movie. of is the the bit with the Harrier jet when Arnold has in the jet and Eliza Dushku is jumping onto the wing. Unless you're paying really close attention, you wouldn't know, but there was a CGI Harrier, a miniature Harrier, and a real Harrier wing. None of them are used from one shot to the next. It always alternates. There's never one used twice in a row, so you never clue into what you're looking at. And it all exactly. blends perfectly. 
together, you would never know that you've suddenly jumped from a CGI plane to a miniature plane back to CGI to a, an actual plane and so on and so forth. I really need to rewatch Also, that. after, you know, Terminator 2, you're not thinking of that as like a CGI-driven film at all. You know, you're thinking, I would think it's practical. Yeah. Right. You know? There was a lot of rear projection going on in that movie, too, that when Arnold picks him up and puts him on the bike, everything behind him is projected on screen. But you wouldn't right. know that because it's done right. And they did that a lot. Yes, 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 yes. We can all agree that the little brother upgrade was good for the remake. Kind of on the fence about aggro blob. I think it looks great. I just the fact that it made noises and I, I don't know. I don't know. Don't know about that. I don't remember. You that. did, yeah. If I have any serious uh, argument with the remake, it was the origin of the blob itself. I think making it a government experiment that came back to Earth takes something away from it. You lose that sort of mysterious cosmic aspect of the blob it's just unexplainable i have a question though how in the remake they give it but in in because it's the remake that has the government experiment coming back to earth yeah. but what was what was mm -hmm. political climate like then what was was the the government fear mongering based stuff then because it, was it could definitely have been relevant the time. to that time yeah it was an easy out too, because all you had to do to create a villain was just say, "Oh, look, it's the government." Well, yeah, but I mean, we've yeah. we've it seen was, throughout, kind of yeah. But that's the the big thing about horror is that it usually is instilled in whatever is going on at that time. Like that's why we have certain things mm -hmm. becoming more mainstream or popular during your high end political times and things like that. So I feel like that one that they may have leaned into that because of that then it doesn't make the ending work quite as well. Minister ending, not the tag ending. But if you remember in the remake, they blow up the, the snow making machine, the blob's frozen, and then it's like, well, we defeated the blob and the government all in one night, folks. It's Miller time, and that's the end of the movie. I mean, that's also kind of how the like, original did too, though. <laughs> well, speaking of the original, though, they had a plan. And if you remember, the plan was put it on a plane and drop it in the Arctic where it will never fall. <laughs> Yeah, the global warming. I was warming. Just like, oh my god! Was like, I, I wrote that in my notes. Him? Like, I was like, hmm, that's funny because uh, look at where we're at you can now. Imagine finding this old, this old retired cop somewhere, and you're like, you know, the Arctic's thawing. What? Shit, the blob. Is that how the Beware the Blob starts? Beware the Blob starts. Uh, well, according to you, out of focus. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen that one. But since you brought up the right. fly earlier, I'm going to watch. Have you not seen the fly remake? Oh yeah, I've seen it. I just I have the box set that uh, been oh, waiting because yeah, Ian yeah. wants to watch the the original. So just don't watch the fly too. Can sit down and watch that. You mean the original original? The... Yeah, the original, the Vincent Price one. Okay, it's different. Yeah, it's not. It's got not at it's all got like Cronenberg's version. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's no, I know. I remember the first one because like him and in in the fucking web freaked me out as a kid. Like that mm. that gave me fucking nightmares. Uh, but uh, yeah, it has the first three, and then it has uh, the Cronenberg, and then the what is it, Son of Fly or something like that? Fly two, fly. Son of Fly. I don't know. Still but flying. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. It's Brundle Kid. He's a he's a little Brundle of joy. Brundle of joy. <laughs> I love it. In, in the remake of the blog, am I am I wrong in thinking that 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 kid is the same kid that's in the Return of the Living Dead Part Two? Because that's kind of what that movie reminds me of, too, is that you have the government interference. And it was the same year. I think it's the same kid. Yeah. Same actor. 
I don't know. Yeah, Could be. 88. But yeah, he's better in it. Shawnee Smith is pretty damn awesome in it. Whereas if you're the oh, female yeah. lead, you're not just like this is her dealing movie. with the circumstances. Yeah. She's like really dealing with the circumstances. Yeah. And uh, Jeffrey DeMunn, I love him as the sheriff, but then he gets dispatched pretty quickly. But anyway, Jason was saying he enjoyed the opening of Beware the Blob, and I did too, with Godfrey Cambridge uh, going camping in his house, and Marlena Clark comes home with the... That's as far as I got into the movie. Why are they beware the scary. blob? They be wearing the blob? Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't they? <laughs> Sorry, I cracked myself up on that it's one. Like, be wearing it's the like blob. It's like a booger sundress. <laughs> <laughs> I can't quit that. that is so stupid. Coco, be wearing the blob. I'd be wearing the blob. Katie wins. <laughs> I'm sorry. I all right. So you all were okay with changing the origin of the blob to government-induced massacre. That was you're okay with that? Yeah, yeah, I do too. Right. I like I like the mysteriousness. I like the mysteriousness. But you do have Bill Mosley in the remake, hmm. so he's great. Without that whole yeah. government intervention, you wouldn't have that. So this is true. I just feel like you can have both. Like one is it doesn't have to be better or more successful. That like both work and both are still good films. Yeah. I mean, that was a time whenever those those remakes were good. <laughs> uh, producer of the original Blob, Jack Harris, refers to the remake as, quote, a nice attempt. <laughs> and that's as, that's about all he had to say about it. Uh, I, I used to be one of those people that was you know, like, oh, my God, remakes are the worst thing in the world. They don't take away from the original. Well, then he well, shouldn't he have optioned a, it. Uh, that if you didn't want like, a remake, look, I love given the Jack Harris productions, but so. you can't say, I mean, Equinox, Schlock, John Landis's first film, he did, he rode that blob wave. He did mm -hmm. Beware the Blob. He also did a, was it Blobber Mouth, which was this, it was like. Wow. And I thought my be no, wearing took, a blob was the They took the original thing. and they did a What's Up Tiger That's Lily to it. <laughs> And they released it on video like a couple years, like in 1990 or something. Oh, no. Kind of like uh, the Hideous Sun Demon. They redid that in the 80s as Revenge of the Sun Demon. And oh, Jay Leno like voiced the Robert Clark character, I think. All good ideas. Fantastic ideas. Yeah. So the, it was like, dude, there you go. That hilarity. At least they were at least solid mm -hmm. attempts. Well, I think one of Jack Harris's quibbles with the remake is that the, he said it he would not have called in the army. His deal was that it was the whole town coming together to fight the blob without having this outside force come in and have to help him. Which I kind of get that. It is kind of interesting in the original that we have this group of teenagers, and teenagers were a fairly new concept socially at the time. Before, before World War II, you dropped out of school in eighth grade and went to work in the factory or went to work on the farm. After World War II, you created this social class, the teenager who could ride around in cars, go to spook shows, and do all that stuff. It was fairly new to our society. And to have that in the movie treated as a, a force of good and not just a bunch of hooligans was a nice touch. And they did that in the remake also a bit. I mean, there is some pushback, especially from one cop in particular who calls everybody boy. I think he even calls some of the women boy. I don't remember exactly. He had really bad cataracts. So Hey, woman boy, come here. <laughs> 
I thought that the um, like with the original, just them mm-hmm. having the the town come together and everything. I thought that was just a product of well, this is a very small town, and so this yeah. is who we have. So this is who we have that we, you know we can't call outside help. There is mm. no outside help. So the fact that in the mid '80s, whenever they're making the remake, you know National that Guard was a thing. You called for outside help. You got you know whatever you could do. You could you had more contact with outside of your town. So it wasn't just the townspeople mm-hmm. coming and showing up with, you know, their fire extinguishers to attack the blob. And that's also was, kind of a trope you know, of that era because else. you saw a lot of those horror films that had that same type of formula. And whenever I see the blob, I think of the giant Gila monster. Like it has that whole same teeny bopper who's a buddy with the local cops. You're like, what? That was a thing back then. And there's a little kid in it and the whole town has to come together. Mm-hmm defeat this menace you know i liked the the between what is his name dave and steve yeah dave was the the sheriff i liked their back and forth i liked their i liked their relationship i thought that that was it was it was nice because it wasn't too over the top it wasn't too Mm -hmm. unbelievable i mean the the only really rough part was steve mcqueen being 28 playing a 16 year old yeah Um, that was weird. That was that was weird. He's at that lookout point in the beginning of the Steve movie. Steve McQueen and I'm like, was sort of. I think Steve McQueen uncle? might have been born looking thirty um, years old. Yeah, he was. He was tough looking from the get go. Yeah, because I mean, mm. there's plenty of twenty eight year olds. Do you want to know what it made me think of? This is just stick with me. No. <clears throat> okay. No, go ahead. <laughs> nope. No, but when I when they're like, oh my god, it's these type of fire extinguishers. Oh. Let's all go get all these fire extinguishers. It made me think of. The movie Evolution, when they realize it's the shampoo, and that everybody goes and gets the shampoo to defeat shampoo. the alien. That's what it made me think of. I liked how the uh, the girl's father uh, what was her name Jane. Jane's father. Mm-hmm. Uh, he even got. I know where his, you can find twenty of those. Yeah, he's got his story. <laughs> arc. He's got, you know, he he has his uh, his 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 story concludes with, "Look, I can be a badass too and throw a rock through a window." And I, for I'm some reason, rules, remember kids. this, most of this movie takes place around midnight. So apparently everybody sleeps in a suit. In a suit, I mean, yeah, when they went to the police this guy, station, like, not get up to, yeah. I'm like, why the hell are they just in suits at midnight? That's like rubble without a cause. too. Wait, speaking of that, like, how about the, the elderly couple? Uh, whenever the guy gets up and puts on his, uh, his, oh, his army helmet, civil defense hat. Yeah. And the, <laughs> And then the fireman, he's like, well, what the hell am I supposed to wear? What do I wear? Trying to figure out what the alarm was that (laughs) That was was going off. Yeah, it was great. Like, that was was a wonderful bit. I loved that. Mm -hmm. That that made me smile really big. And then, did I miss something? Or were (laughs) there, like, at one point somebody said that the blob has already killed 40 to 50 people. Yeah. But I don't remember. Yeah, Bob was busy off camera. Okay, okay, okay. I just didn't know if like was was that maybe that's that what I the remake makes up for. for two seconds or forty to fifty yeah. would have been easily half the town. Well, can I have a question? In Blob Science, mm-hmm. can the Blob only grow when it's consuming people? Like, does I he maintain so. his size unless he mass. consumes a person? Uh, because that would make sense I, why like, they need to down acknowledge that he consumed. Because he was bigger by the time yeah. it got, so it yeah. would have it would make sense that they needed to acknowledge that he consumed people. Right. That was that was my thought. 
I like that idea though. If he doesn't, if the if he if the blob yeah. doesn't eat, does it shrink back down to normal? I feel like it like would just maintain the star. Well, that would, then, yeah. that would that would that would beg the question of does he poop? Because then he would shrink down. Because as long as he is holding in that matter, I think, or, or that mass, he would. I like stay how you've size. assigned a gender to the blob. Well, he's destructive. <laughs> does the blob poop? <laughs> um. I feel like we're all reacting to different things right now. <laughs> Nathan, were any of the... I didn't watch the whole movie, so I don't know. Were any of these questions answered in Beware the Blob about his various uh, gender fluidity or pooping abilities of the blob? But do you get what I'm saying, though? If no, the blob Well, you think Beware the Blob is shit, so maybe there's science in that. <laughs> but uh, I think that whole movie's a turd. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Something else I noticed... I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but in neither the original or the remake, they never used the word blob. Ever. It's a monster. It was infuriating. They get to it, it's to the point where they're even asking Steve McQueen, what did you see? And he's like, well, it's kind of a, it's like a, and I'm just screaming at the screen, it's a blob! Fuck's sake, just call it the blob! But they never well, do it. It's like Not in once. either version Wait, of the thing, do they address it as the thing? Huh? <laughs> Sorry, Nathan uh -huh. was saying something important. What? I was saying something. <laughs> he said, "Have you seen know. Frankenstein?" Yes. Answer Next. it. I was, <laughs> I was no. I was just saying. I was saying that, like as Steve McQueen in the movie, whenever he's trying to explain what the blob looks like, because you're like infuriated uh, with him, monster, monster, and I'm just like, "Have you seen Frankenstein? He looks kind of like that, only melted." But then Nathan said something, and hmm. I just automatically assumed whatever Nathan was going to say was infinitely smarter and more relevant than what I was saying, so I was trying to give him the floor. Did you say infinitely or infantly? Because it could go either way. No. I will take either way. No, I was just saying, do they address the thing in either version as the thing? No. Did they ever say, like, hey, thing? No, like, if there's a scene where they're describing, like, is, you know, like, that thing killed this, you know, or whatever. I can't remember if there are okay. any moments like that, but well, I don't wearing think any pants? I don't it's know. Sort I of like see a thing. It doesn't bother me that he doesn't call it a blob. Well, I mean, it's not like in Near Dark where they never use the word vampire. This is clearly a. But is it one of those things where the, the movie acknowledges the name of the, the title of the film in the movie, where well, it's like, "What is it?" and he turns to the camera, mm -hmm. "It's the Blob." Well, it is. It is a good point to mention the shooting title was the Molten Meteor. It wasn't the blob. Right. So that was obviously like uh -huh. an afterthought. Again, he doesn't describe okay. it as a molten meteor. Why couldn't he just say but... gooey mass? Was that not relevant terminology back then? Like he doesn't say like it's a it's a gloopy mass or he doesn't like there's there's no, like he has the hardest time describing something that is just a booger. Well, I think that like, that he, is he doesn't supposed say to it's convey a fleshy the looking fear. booger. Well, to me it's supposed to convey the fear. <laughs> If he can't put into words what he's trying to see, that or what he's seeing, then it kind of shows like. Sorry, just, but he's a giant not, booger ate doc. It's it, but it, I, it, if he was trying to do that, he wasn't. It didn't sell it as that to me. Like he didn't seem like he was that scared. He was just. Well, I mean, the acting isn't that great in this film. Well, I mean, Boy, but there yeah, are yeah, some, yeah. some good spots in it. I I like. There I, are. I don't deny that. And uh, the the lady that played Jane, I can't remember her name. 
Oh. Uh, but I looked her up because I was like, hey, he's good. What else did she do? Annette Curso. Yeah. And uh, uh, Toolbox Murders. Mm, yeah. Toolbox yeah. Murders and uh, loads of television. Only feature credit I think that I could think of was Toolbox Murders. Toolbox Murders was 20 years after The Blob, so yeah. it was good. Robert Fields, who played Tony in this movie, was also in a lot of good stuff, like Frankenstein Meets the Space yeah. Monster, Stepford Wives, uh, Looking for Mr. Goodbar, Star 80, American Strays. Steve McQueen was, of course, in a few movies. Never so few, you could even say. <laughs> you think of. So, earlier, Katie mentioned, when she mentioned the midnight movie thing, yeah. and I've always kind of taken issue with this, it's like, why did they even go to the trouble? But when they're outside the theater, you see that mock-up poster, that Forbidden Planet poster that's repurposed as the vampire and the robot starring Bela Lugosi. Yeah. And you're like, right. It doesn't exist. Right. But Daughter of Horror, it does exist. And that's the movie they're watching. And that was... I want to see that movie. It was mm -hmm. repurposed from Dementia. Daughter of Horror. Jack Harris bought that and then they restructured it and got Ed McMahon to do narration. <laughs> And that's the movie they're watching. But at any rate, I just thought, like, when I see oh, that oh, Forbidden oh. Planet poster, that was, what, two years before? Like, who are they fooling with that? Because Forbidden Planet was such a huge I don't hit. Know. Well, probably anybody but you, and, Nathan. Yeah. Could but, it just be a nod, though? Did the, did the fake movie they had in the remake have a name? Can't remember. I don't know if it did. Blobula. He had fangs. Ooh. That was a nice touch. I mean, that was kind of funny when he's like menacing them with like a hedge trimmer. Hockey season ended months ago. <laughs> but anyway, that poster just reminded me. I kept wondering why they did that too, because I kept thinking that's not a real movie. When I first, at first glance, I thought it was the poster for Robot Monster, but that wasn't. No, because it kind of had. I didn't look at it that closely. Which would have been more passable because that wasn't as widely known. It reminded me of my favorite example of repurposing a movie poster for the sake of teasing another movie is Mark Pirro doing a Polish vampire in Burbank. In that movie, they go to see Enema Vampires, hmm. a movie by Corman Rogers, and they take the poster hmm. for Fort Apache the Bronx and literally put blood... <laughs> on Ed Asner and Ken Wall's face and Paul Newman, or actually they put another picture over Paul Newman just so he's not as recognizable. But yeah, they just whiten the faces and put blood <laughs> dripping and fangs. I was like, that's brilliant. That's fantastic. Mention that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did anybody else watch the Goosebumps episode, the blob that ate everyone in preparation for this? Just for the hell of it? I didn't. Uh, but I did purchase this copy of Fanny Hill on VHS for a dollar. Ooh, Paragon Video Productions. Nice. Have you watched it yet? No, not yet. Oh, oh, let me see the gate on that tape. Is it is it a Fuji, like the beige gate? No. Jason is so done. Okay. What What's the year? 82? Does it say 82 that it was produced? <laughs> Fucking nerd. Um, no, it looks like if it's, maybe if it's 82, 85. it's a good chance you're going to have some awesome trailers on there. Uh -oh. Just saying. Any final thoughts on The Blob? Is it one of your new favorite movies ever? Yeah, let's hear from both of you. No. no. Wow. <laughs> I wouldn't. Damn. I wouldn't watch it again. I would watch the remake again, but I probably would never watch it again. It's a great late night movie, though. Yeah, it is a great movie to like. Yeah. 
it's a good movie. I can see why it has its place in the zeitgeist that it does, but agreed. Just hmm. not for me. Yeah. Something you'll watch every once in a while, maybe. No. Nope. Oh, I'm wow. a one and done okay. on this one, I think. <laughs> Was it your first Steve you McQueen that? movie or no? I'm gonna go out on a limb and say probably. Okay. But I don't I don't know. <laughs> It was mine, I believe. Because I don't know if I've ever seen anything else. Like Bullet, Thomas Crown Affair, Towering Inferno. I've not seen any of those. Papillon, arguably his best film. Papillon Mm. 2, still Papillon. I like a song called that. Before that was also remade, by the way. But whatever. Yeah. There was a remake of Papillon? Yeah. Rami Malek's in it. Yeah. And it came and went. Nobody cared. It was like... I'm one and done on the blob. Like, it was fine. Uh, it's nothing that I would go back to uh, with the remake available. I'd probably rather watch that. Mm. Um, it's visually more appealing to me. Uh, I'm one of the few of us that likes the aggro blob. Okay. That one is more fun to me to watch, even if it's just in the background. Um, this one felt like there was about 20% missing from it. It felt like it was rushed. That's the 50 people like, he, it was devouring probably <laughs> probably like if we got that then uh we might be talking about a second viewing here but it's actually as it stands you, you don't give me that massacre it's pretty lengthy for a horror film of the time though it's like 82 minutes yeah oh yeah most of them were like seven mm-hmm. four around that time so and 60 of those minutes was that opening song hey wait a minute i like the opening song. i know you do. i would listen to the song again it creeps, it bleeps, it sleeps, it treeps, it breeps. I'm making up words. I probably would. Okay. <laughs> well, on that stunning, stunning revelation, I do think it's time to end. So, thank you all for listening to this show. We'll see you oh, next no. time. Thank you for feeling this show. <laughs> The show is over. So once again, we must say goodbye. Thank you for listening. The Smooth Thrills Radio Hour is a production of Ghostcraft and is recorded live in Dallas, Texas. Please email your questions and comments to autopilot at smooththrillsradiohour.com. Enjoy the rest of your day. Kisses. This has been a Ghostcraft presentation.